companies all over the globe are developing and molding their own give back models. My name is Christine Petrella, and I'm fortunate enough to host a podcast where I can speak with these companies and help us all learn the unique ways that companies big and small are doing good things in their communities and giving back to so many important causes. My next guest today is my dream guest. One of the reasons why I started this podcast, Jess Ekstrom. She is the founder of Headbands of Hope, where for every item sold, her company donates a headband to a child with an illness. She is a rock star entrepreneur, an inspirational public speaker, and she has her own mic drop workshop that helps bring more female speakers into the industry. To hear her incredible story and the journey of how she started this give back company, you have to pick up her book, Chasing the Bright Side. She will dive deep into her journey and she'll give you a real life look at what it takes to grab hold of your passion and just do good. Embrace optimism, activate your purpose, and write your own story. Here is Jess Ekstrom. Jess, I am so incredibly honored to have you here today. It is my dream come true. You are my dream guest. How are you doing, Jess? I am so good. I don't think my head's going to be able to fit out of this door after so many compliments. (laughs) So thank you. Oh, I have them lined up for the next half an hour. So don't you worry. Oh, awesome. I can't wait to hear. That's really why I'm here, you know, is for you to just build me up. So we're off to a great start. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a good, good teamwork here. Yeah. Uh, so I always see you on social media with, is it your Airstream that you have? Mm-hmm. And you're always traveling. So where in the world are you today? So yes, we have our Airstream trailer and we um, started in it about like two years ago. And so we went all around, mostly out West. And then now um, we're parked in Raleigh for a bit. It's literally like you're looking at me in my office and the Airstream is like parked <laughs> out front across the street. And we're actually taking it back out again in a couple of weeks and doing the Northeast, like Maine, Vermont. And so that'll be kind of our last leg of the trip. And then who knows after that, but definitely coming back to Raleigh as our, our home base for sure. Yeah. You got to keep traveling once you start. I know. Well, honestly, like the first like four or five months are the hardest. And then once you can kind of get like your sea legs, you know, then it becomes a lot more fun. And so I know like a lot of people during the pandemic did like RV rentals, like RVs were like booming. And so I had to tell people like, don't judge it by the first like two weeks or if you just have it for like a month, because it's not fun trying to figure out like, how do I dump my tanks or like, how do I back it up? Or, you know, how do I get cable? And so once you kind of figure those things out, it just becomes a lot more fun. So you got to give it time. Good to know. Well, hopefully we will get one soon and explore the nation with you. Oh, yeah. It's really cool. Like I was traveling a lot for speaking like before the pandemic and and I loved it. But just the rental cars and like, you know, sleeping in a different bed every night and a different coffee maker and on one hand could be like luxurious. And then on the other hand, the travel part can be exhausting. And so having like the same when you close your doors, like it's your home and it doesn't matter where you are. And so that part was really cool. That's what I love about it. So you took control. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it took control. And and then got to bring my husband and my dog. And so it was really, really great. But we, we love Raleigh. So we like being back here. Home base. Well, I'm in Richmond, not too far away. So next time I drive through, I will hit you up. 
Please do. Richmond is beautiful as well. I love Richmond. Love it. So that's actually where I met you. So it was, I want to say 2018. Yeah. I went to a networking event and I'll be completely honest. I had not looked at who our guest speaker was going to be. I went for the networking and the second you started talking and again, I'll, I'll hold true with my honesty. I was always an average student. And so I never really paid attention to, you know, speeches and lectures. And I would leave and say, what, just happened, you know, but from the moment you started talking, honestly, till the end, I could probably give that speech. Oh my gosh. I mean, I've just soaked it up. I laughed. You took us through experiences. You took us through your journey and I cried. I mean, you got me hard and I really enjoyed your transparency of your journey. Thank you. And just being so open and honest. And I think that's probably why you ended up writing the book, Chasing the Bright Side, is just letting people know that it's not all, what, butterflies and rainbows? Right, exactly. (laughs) There's a lot. So I'm going to encourage the listeners to pick up a book of Chasing the Bright Side. I've read it. uh, Well, I've listened to it. I have Audible. So I've listened to it twice already. Oh, awesome. And I mean, it's just incredible, your journey that you've been on. And so I want to I go back a little bit, if you don't mind. Your time at Disney, your time at Make-A-Wish Foundation. Can you just let our listeners know when Headbands, so Headbands of Hope is a company that you're running now. When did Headbands become the inspiration that it is today? Yeah. Like you, you know, I was not this A plus student. I wasn't like going above and beyond and And I wasn't really sure, like any kid, where life was going to take me. And it was my freshman year of college. I saw signs for like the Disney college program, which is basically like an an internship where you can take a semester and go to Disney. And I was (laughs) breaking up with my high school boyfriend at the time. We had gone to the same college. And I was like, one of those moments where you're like, oh, like I need to get away when really I'm like, you know, you're 18. What are you really getting away from? But So I applied and I got accepted and I worked in the Magic Kingdom and Hollywood Studios and I was a photo pass photographer. So I got to take pictures of like people, you know, from all over the world. And I got to learn a lot about like business and the parks. But my favorite thing that I got to do was I got to take pictures of kids that were there on their wish through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So I got to be the one that would like photograph them, like meeting the princesses or like seeing the castle. And it was like, I just immediately was just drawn and fell in love with it. And so when I got back to school my sophomore year, I interned for Make-A-Wish. And, you know, when I was there, I wasn't doing like the most glamorous things, but it was like anything from like making coffee to, you know, licking a lot of envelopes or whatever. But I realized like all the things that I was doing, no matter how small or tedious they were, it made sense to making a wish come true. Like there was a a line of connection between what I was doing and why I was doing it for something that I believed in. And so that was kind of this revelation in my head where I was like, maybe our work or our careers or things that we choose for ourselves doesn't have to be something that's just the clock in and clock out. It can be something where like all the tasks, no matter what they are, build up to something that's like bigger than us. And so that was kind of slowly where my wheels started turning for Headbands of Hope. 
It's incredible. And and what I really love about that story is not only that it touched your heart, but you also, you went back to school and you thought, okay, so let's start the wheels in motion here. And it was so brilliant of you to, I mean, you kind of stalked your professor. Well, they weren't even your professors. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I was relentless. Like looking back, I'm like cringeworthy, but then also, I mean, you see so many entrepreneurs and I know you've interviewed a ton of them is like, they all have these just relentless kind of cringy, like follow people to their car (laughs) (laughs) moments where you just are like, I believe in this so much that you almost have these blinders on where like, I'm just, whatever I need to do to make it work, I'm going to do it. And I think that that's why it's so important to believe in your idea in this like really rooted way is because you'll never work that hard if you don't believe in it. And so sometimes I've had ideas that, you know, I don't either end up pursuing or don't turn out that well because like, I don't really believe in it as much, but it's when you are just like, absolutely, this is going to make the world better. People need this. There is no problem too big to stand in your way. Yeah. And and it's great because you weren't spending the money right up front. You were asking people for help. You're asking for their opinions. Yeah. I love the story about you were taking someone out to Chipotle and just saying, hey, I'll buy you Chipotle. Oh my God. I use food <laughs> as so many forms of compensation, especially in the beginning. Like it was like building my website and I would ask like computer design students for help and like they would meet me in the library and I would like pay them in their Chipotle order that they asked for. And then like one time I needed photos of people like wearing the headbands. And so I put together this like Facebook event for people to show up in the park. And I somehow like bribed Jimmy John's to like donate sandwiches for it. And I'm like, why did I think that that I'm like, if I have food, then people will do it. And because I know I'll do anything for free food. So, and people showed up, right? People showed up. Yeah. That was how I got like my first uh, model photos. I rented a camera from the library and had a table of headbands that people could put on. And I would just take their picture and put it on the website. And it's crazy to think where we began and where we're at now. And that's why anyone who's early stage in their idea, like, and now with social media, it's so easy to compare journeys. Like, where you are at now. And then you can open up your phone and immediately see someone who feels like they're like four or five chapters ahead, but everyone has their own path. Everyone has their own timeline. And you really just have to be like inspired by people without comparing yourself to them, which is a really tough balance to strike that I work on all the time. (laughs) So, okay. So that was actually something I wanted to ask you. A lot of people call it imposter syndrome. And they go throughout this process thinking there's other people in the room more experienced than I. And I know that you've experienced that as well, is I'm at this big event and there's hundreds of thousands or thousands of people here. And there's all these experienced entrepreneurs that have all this tenure. So what was that inner dialogue like with you to say, no, 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 I'm here for a reason. And this is a great cause. So what did that dialogue look like? Oh my gosh, it was rocky in the beginning. Like I kind of thought that I was playing a role, you know, at first I'm like, okay, I'm going to put a blazer on and then I'm going to say words like ROI and like, (laughs) you know, all the acronyms and I'm going to ask people like gross or net profit, you know, and just like (laughs) hope that whatever I said was like, right. And so I felt like I was 
playing this role and hoping that like no one would find out that I really have no idea what I'm doing. And then it wasn't until I kind of started to brush shoulders with more entrepreneurs. I joined like a co-working space and kind of learned like, you know, when you're getting coffee with someone or like, and you just kind of let your guard down a little bit and they're like, yeah, well, I lost this investment or like whatever. And you're like, oh my gosh, they've messed up too. And you realize that like everyone has these rocky stories and no one really knows what they're doing. They're just not posting about it. You know, they're not sharing. We see all the highlights, but we don't see what's really happening behind the scenes. And so I just started to realize that like my story in the ways that I've messed up, which has been pretty, pretty big ways that they are not showing that I'm not qualified. Like it's not a reflection of my worth as a person. It's just a reflection of the process. And so to kind of get over imposter syndrome, one part of it is just realizing that like everyone's on their own timeline and one person isn't right or wrong. But then the other part of it is like removing your ego and your self-worth from the thing that you're creating. So like, I used to hate the term, it's just business, you know, because I'd be like, it's not just business. Like, this is my life. Like, this is my blood, sweat, and tears. And then now it is literally my favorite thing. Like, I have like a post-it note in my office that's like, it's just business. At the end of the day, if someone gives me feedback on, you know, a, a chapter that I wrote or a headband that I created, they're not saying like, Jess, you're a terrible person. You know, they're saying something about that. So if if you can separate like your worth as a person from the things that you're creating, you can become kind of obsessed with the problem that you're trying to solve instead of like riding this emotional roller coaster, which is what is so natural in starting a business. Like there's going to be so many ups and downs. Like you don't want to be strapped on that roller coaster all the time or else it will break you down. (laughs) And I've been there. Oh, yeah. And again, that's what I think is so admirable about you is your transparency when talking about your story and your journey. So looking back, I mean, we're going to have hurdles no matter what. You're going to keep running into roadblocks. You're going to keep running into hurdles. Looking back, what was, do you feel personally was your biggest hurdle? Because I know that investment, you know, that failed investment. To me, that was like, oh my gosh, how did she keep going? Yeah. So looking back, what do you think your biggest hurdle that you've overcome has been? Well, that was a big one. And for listeners, I'll give you like a spark notes version, but the big version is in chasing the bright side. But I was just getting started with Headbands Pope and needed money for our first round of production. I've been working with this manufacturer and my dad actually ended up being my first investor giving me the money that I needed for that first round of production. And the manufacturer ran with the money, which was gut-wrenching. I mean, uh, like I still, that was like over 10 years ago and I still just get so (laughs) angry whenever I talk about it. But I think that that kind of like set the tone for my resilience. You know, it happened so early on in the business that it, showed me, I'm like, if I can get past this, then like, there's nothing too big that's going to stand in my way. But it was really like this left or right moment where I was like, this is a really great opportunity to throw in the towel and everyone would understand. But I knew that this company that Headbands of Hope was like, 
going to help a lot of people that I'm like, you know, I think that there's got to be another way to get this accomplished. And so I think that by being able to overcome that, which I ended up getting like a $300 grant, but I lost a lot more money than that and starting really small and then growing it from there, it showed how optimism is really like that gasoline to your grit. Because if I had just been like, no, you got to do this. You got to work harder. Then that's not really kind to yourself. But I was like, you know, this could really be a vehicle for change. Let's try to make it work. It helped me be a little bit more resourceful. But one thing that I also, when it comes to making like those mistakes that I learned is you can think of them in like forms of regret. Like, oh, I wish I had not had wired that money and lost that investment. Or I wish I hadn't moved colleges for that boy that we en- I ended up breaking up with. Or I wish I hadn't left my job to go to this one. But I think that we make mistakes in our life in one way that prevents us from making those same mistakes in a bigger way as our life progresses. So like since that time that I lost that money, you know, really early on, there's been so many scenarios where we've worked with manufacturers that I've, instead of wiring them the full amount, I've wired them, you know, a 10, 20% deposit. And then we have these contracts in place and all of these systems and kind of security for us that would have probably never been implemented until we would gotten burned in a much bigger way. And so I think that the failures in your life are really just research to do better in your future. Oh, absolutely. Because I always say failure, it's not failure. It's lessons learned and experience gained. Either you win or you learn. Yep, exactly. And thank you for not throwing in the towel. I'm so happy you continued. Me too. I want more people to know about Headbands of Hope. So can you talk a little bit more about, you know, you said you're you're in every single hospital now. Like that's crazy. Amazing. Tell me more about Headbands of Hope. So the idea came from when I was at Make-A-Wish and I saw a lot of kids losing their hair to chemotherapy. And they'd be offered a wig or they'd be given a hat. And a lot of them weren't really concerned with covering up their heads. They just wanted something to feel good about themselves. So I would see them wearing headbands on their wish trips or in their photos. And I just thought it was like such a cool gesture of confidence that they just wanted to like accessorize and keep their identity. So I started to look up organizations or companies that gave headbands to kids with cancer, couldn't find any. And I think that that's really like another left or right moment where you are looking for something that you can't really find what you want, or it doesn't really exist the way that you, you'd like it to. That kind of shows you that there's like a gap, you know, a gap in the market, a gap in like, you know, what people need. If you're looking for it, there's probably a lot of other people that are too. So instead of telling yourself like, oh, I want to start a business instead, like what are areas of like, pain, you know, that you've looked for that you're like, God, I wish that my alarm clock would like sing motivational things to me or like whatever it might be. That's also probably an opportunity for you to create something that fills that need. So when I didn't find anyone giving headbands to kids with cancer, I thought like, well, maybe I call it like the dumbest, smartest moment of my life. Cause I was like, oh yeah, I could do that without like any really thought at all. And so for every headband sold, we donate one to a child with an illness. And we've reached every children's hospital in America in 22 countries now. And we are really, really close. I think we'll get there this week or next to donating 1 million headbands. 
All right. So I know the first thing I'm doing when I get off this call, (laughs) your head, and it's not just headbands. I mean, everything you have on that site is just so much fun. We do have a lot of like really, I mean, I know I'm biased, but like, I don't know if anyone's watching video right now, but I'm wearing like our sunflower tube turban. Those are our best sellers. I know you have your give back repeat shirt on, which is awesome. We just got bucket hats, which I was hesitant about, but we literally cannot keep them in stock. Like bucket hats are back. <laughs> I did see those at a couple sites. So I'm going to have to check those out on yours. Yeah, I, I really just whatever Instagram tells me to do is what <laughs> I know. I'm like, I guess these are back as, as long as we're not doing low rise jeans again. Like I'm Please in, don't. but I'm <laughs> never going back there. Yeah. Fabulous. Also, I think you and I are on the exact same page. And I would love to hear more about the worst fundraiser. And why I love this is because a lot of people think you're opening up a checkbook to give, or you have to put an envelope on someone's desk to give. Money is not the end all be all. And I think you hit it on the head when you said, you know, we really do need to train ourselves to just day by day do something little, do something good. Don't feel like you have to get recognized for it. So you came up with this idea of the worst fundraiser ever, Yeah, which is brilliant. Tell us about that. (laughs) Well, my friend Joey and I, he has a nonprofit called the Monday Life and they give, you know, you can sign up to donate like a dollar every Monday and it goes towards enhancing lives of kids in the hospitals. And we were talking about like, oh, it'd be a really great way to like bring people together. But like, every single charity event out there is, you know, really high ticket, like in terms of galas, you know, you buy a table and then there's a silent auction and people who go to those, you feel like you just have to open up your wallet, which is great for people that can do that. But like, I know for me, you know, starting my company in college, I was not rolling in it by any means. And, but I wanted to be able to contribute. And so we were like, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have these unique skills or talents or just like, I don't know if they have like a pool that people want to hang out in. What is it that you have to offer? And then maybe there's someone out there that needs that thing that you have to offer. So we created Give Gala and we call it the worst fundraiser ever because we raise $0 every year. Like money is forbidden, but to register, you register an act of kindness that you have to offer for a family or patient in the local children's hospitals. So we had someone who's an accountant, and they're like, I'll do your taxes, you know, for free. Or someone who loves to paint, like I can come do some paintings like for your place. Or someone who can cook a really mean casserole, like let me make dinner for you one night. We had someone who has like a, a farm say like, I'll host like a you know, unicorn princess party for someone, you know? And, and so it's like all these things that you would have never thought, never been able to make that connection. One of them actually, you know, they had a lot of people have um, rental properties that they're like, I have a house at the beach or the mountains. Why don't you and your family come stay in it? And so one of the families at the hospital, you know, from Give Gala ended up staying in this person's beach house. And then they became such good friends with that family that they like had like the holidays together. And so everyone comes one evening and it's at a kid's museum and the patients get really dressed up and there's a DJ and music. And it's just a really great way to reinvent what like giving really is and think about 
what do I have to offer? And what I hope is that when people think about this event, even if they can't come to it, they think like, well, what is it that I would register? You know, what would I put down? What do I have to give? And then maybe there's a way that you can find someone in your community that might, might need that and you can do it anyway. So when is the event? Did I miss the event or is it? We couldn't do it last year because of COVID. So we're talking, trying to think of ways to make it virtual, but, but yeah, we were going, I think we had it for like five years before that. Congratulations. So yeah, more and more people are hearing about you, hearing the good you're doing. Talk to me a little bit about the collaborations that you have going on. Cause I've been seeing your social media blow up. Yeah. Well, I mean, on the Headbands of Hope side, we've done some really cool ones. One of my favorites is, well, recently Under Armour partnered with us to get rid of like some of their inventory that they have that didn't sell, repurpose them into headbands and give them to children's hospitals, which was awesome. But then we also did a collaboration with Sharpie where we created like coloring book headbands and bandanas where kids can actually color in their headband and make it their own in in the children's hospitals. And so that was definitely one of my favorites. But, you know, on the personal side, I love collaborating with businesses that are helping, helping women or helping people run their business. And so I've collaborated with like GoDaddy recently on their Women's History Month campaign and uh, Office Depot as well. And so I love companies out there that are supporting women business owners and just trying to make their their lives better. Wow. Congratulations. Those are some massive companies. Yeah. Thank you. From cold calling in the beginning, who was it? Goodies? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. That was like, but you know, I still do that sometimes. Like as it doesn't really matter like how far you get. And yes, maybe now like people might pick up my call in the second or third time, not the 200th time, but sometimes you still just have to be like, just shoot your shot. When the book was coming out, you know, the PR team that I was working with, which was awesome. We called ourselves like the no shame gang. And that was because we were just like reaching for the moon and, and seeing like, Hey, maybe like, will Kelly Clarkson, you know, call us back. And, you know, a lot of it didn't work, but some of it did. And so people might disagree with this, but I think sometimes a lot of it is about like quantity over quality and just seeing like how many of these different collisions can you have? Like a lot of the big moments for my business didn't happen because of this like insane strategy that I built, but because of just like showing up at like a networking event, like where we met or just choosing to like go on a trip and you just kind of have, you just are expanding like your frequency of things that could happen instead of just like being in your room and like, creating a sales funnel, if that makes sense. Oh, it definitely does. And it really inspires me to know that you still have, you're doing these amazing things. You have this business to run. You have your mic drop workshop. You know, you have your book, but then I want to bring it all back to the cause and why you're doing this. And I'm going to regret asking this question because every time I've listened to your book and I've listened to you talk, I've gotten very emotional about the connections that you've made. So I would love for you, if you don't mind to maybe share a story of one that's really, you know, stuck with you. Yeah. I would say one of the things that I think about a lot is when I was first starting Headbands Pope and I hadn't even launched the website yet, but I had gotten a donation of headbands from goodies, you know, who I called relentlessly. And I started giving them to hospitals and um, I was still trying to get headbands hope off the ground. You know, I'd had that massive flop with the investment, but I started giving headbands away and 
I got a letter from a parent and she said that her daughter was in remission. So she was feeling better, but she was still waiting for her hair to grow back. And she was supposed to start kindergarten in a couple of weeks. And she did not want to go to kindergarten because her hair was short. And she was like, everyone's going to think I'm a boy and I don't want to go. And she got this headband in the hospital that we had dropped off and she got home from the hospital and she like laid out her kindergarten outfit and her backpack and all her school supplies. And she was like, mom, when does kindergarten start? I can't wait to go. And she was like, your headband gave my daughter the confidence to want to go to kindergarten. And I remember being like this, this has to work. That is the validation that I needed. And so I heard someone one time call it a smile file, but like a file on my computer of like messages that I've gotten, whether it's from like parents in the hospitals or someone who took like mic drop workshop and got their first, you know, paid speaking engagement. And the moments that really connect you and anchor you to that, like why you started in the first place, because life is hard. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Things get blurry and, you know, you chase the shiny things and you get worried about the Instagram algorithm and all this crap that like really doesn't matter. And so to have something like that story or those moments that really anchor you, it's just so important when it comes to your grit and just being able to push through it. Wow. Well, I could keep you here for days and just dig deeper into your story, but I want to thank you for your time. I appreciate, you know, just getting out there and you're truly making a difference. I mean, a million headbands that you've donated coming up. Amazing. Thank you. You know, amazing. So everybody listening, I highly encourage you to grab a book of Chasing the Bright Side by Jess Ekstrom. Go on her website, Headbands of Hope and support in any way that you can. Please keep going. I will continue to support you. Thank you. Thank you for supporting after all these years. Like, I mean, that was a while ago. It had to have been like, four years or something. So yeah, yeah. And I'm not kidding when I say every single day, you know, that there's something that I've either read or remembered from your talk a couple years back. It just, it will always hit me. It will always resonate with me and it always helps me to try and give back. So this is my way right now of giving back it is to tell your story and help tell other entrepreneur stories of who is, you know, giving back to their communities in such a big way. So Jess, thank you so much for your time. I wish you all the best and I hope that I can attend one of your chats here in the future. I would love that. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jess. Well, I figure out how to come down from this high that I'm on after talking with Jess Ekstrom, I would highly encourage you to head over to headbandsofhope.com and see how you can purchase some awesome headbands and get involved in this fantastic cause. And if you're enjoying this podcast, The Give Back Model, please head over to thegivebackmodel.com where you can support and subscribe. 